Welcome to River City Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co. We're going to start in John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Message title is Draw Some Out Now. Draw Some Out Now. Last week we talked about acceleration and what I believe God is uh, doing in uh, our church as, and just in general in the world. Uh, we're seeing things accelerate on, on a lot of levels. Some of it's good. Some of it's not good. Uh, but the kingdom is always good. What God's doing in the church is always good. Uh, the enemy has a plan in the world, but let me tell you, Jesus also has a plan. It always wins. Uh, so, so it's not a day to get discouraged and give up hope. It's a day to rejoice because Jesus is alive and well. Uh, he's conquered the grave, and he's got a plan and purpose for not only his church, but his people and his and, and our families individually. So, uh, But John chapter 2, I want us to start here. This is... Uh, this, you know, at the end of the last week's message, I talked about activating what God has placed on the inside of you. And I want to kind of speak to that a little bit today on greater detail. But I love this story. John chapter 2 is the first miracle of Jesus. And it's unique because it doesn't happen, you know, the miracles of Jesus are, are all over uh, through the Gospels where we see Jesus raise the dead on a couple occasions. We see him heal the sick many times. We see him uh, open blind eyes, open deaf ears. We see him cleanse a leper, cast out demons. He just, there's no end to what Jesus did, walked on water, calmed the seas. But this is the first miracle we have uh, in the ministry of Jesus, and it's actually almost out of time, you'll see, out of, out of the, the plan of, or regular scheduled purpose that even before Jesus has, has begun his active ministry and healing the sick and raising the dead and all those things, and of course, teaching the Word as well, uh, he, he brings his disciples to a wedding that they're invited to. And this is the first miracle we're going to see and, and why I say that it was a little bit out of uh, time. But I want you to see it's John chapter 2. Verse 1, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine for the wedding, the mother of Jesus, it's believed by some scholars that this, the, the couple, the betrothed, those who were being married that day may have been somehow related to Mary's family, but, so that's why she took a personal interest. But here's what she does. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. She comes to him because they've run out. And, you know, before we get into the miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine and what that is going to be for us prophetically and what I believe God is doing in our church and in our lives individually as we start this new year, but I just want to start with this. You know, sometimes life just runs out. Sometimes you run out of hope. Sometimes you run out of peace. Sometimes you run out of joy. You run out of the things that you were needing and wanting in life. And, you know, I, I think in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of things that people depended on, but they ran out. There's been a lot of things that people trusted in, but it ran out. There's a lot of things that people thought they would have, thought that would work out a certain way, but it ran out. And life has left them empty. You know, I, I know of a lot of people that started out thinking, you know, the marriage was healthier than it was, and then it ran out in the midst of this last couple of years. They thought they had financial security and job stability, but then the pandemic happened, or the economy happened, or all these different things happened, and then something ran out 
that was, that was uh, expected to be there. In this wedding of Cana, they were expecting to have wine for the feast, but it ran out. And when life leaves you empty, I want to encourage you to do what Mary does. She goes to Jesus. And so that's the first point today. Very simply, when uh, life runs out, turn to Jesus. No matter what it is, no matter where your relationships are, maybe they've run dry, maybe your faith has run dry, your life, your confidence, your peace, your hope, it's run dry. You know, I think sometimes we, our life runs out not just because of other things outside of us, but sometimes, honestly, if we're willing to be honest, it runs out because we've gone to the wrong source. We've tried to draw from empty wells. Jeremiah prophesied this to Israel. Jeremiah 2.13, God said to Israel, he said, my people have committed two evils. He said, they've forsaken me. That's the first one. They'd forsaken God. Israel had turned, uh, specifically the tribe of Judah, they had turned their backs on God at this time. Had turned to idols, turned to trusting in other nations, trusting in other things instead of God to be their security, God to be their source. So God said, they've, they've, they've turned from me, they've forsaken me. But he also says, they've all, he describes himself as the fountain of living waters. He says, I'm the fountain, I'm the source. And the reason you're empty is you're looking to other sources, other places, instead of the only one that can fill and satisfy. But he also says they've hewn for themselves, and I think that's key, cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They've looked for and even fashioned for themselves places of trust, of security, of hope, of confidence, of peace, of purpose, and it actually was a broken cistern. It was something that promised to hold and sustain life and sustain water, but it couldn't, and it leaked, and it was empty. And God was using this picture to say that, that Israel had, had done two things. First, they had forsaken the source of water, but also had trusted in and built and fashioned for themselves a way of life that couldn't sustain itself. And I think at the beginning of the year, it's important for all of us to evaluate as we looked at last week, as God kind of re, you know, I've, I've, I had on my heart as we went into this morning that, that God wants to realign our priorities, realign our hearts, realign our relationships. That while there's a lot of areas we start the new year and we say, you know, I want to get healthy and I want to, you know, get, get more responsible and finance, whatever it is, our finances, I think all of that's good. But we start with Jesus because he can help us set all those things in order. And so when we set him first and we put God first, we align our hearts with God and we begin to not build our own life in a way that can't hold and sustain what we need, but we actually come to God who's our source and he never runs out. Come on, church. He never runs out of joy, he never runs out of hope, he never runs out of peace. Religions run on empty. It, it really has. You know, it, it always cracks me up though for the last, you know, I don't know, this is probably the last two or three decades, but especially in the last 20 years, you know, all these descriptions you see on, I don't know, Time Magazine or whatever, you'll see descriptions of, you know, the church in America is declining. And the problem is they're looking at the wrong place. Because <laughs> the church I know isn't. You know, I, I've seen God do more in the last 20 years. And so I, I'm telling you, churches are, God is doing so much in the world the problem is we're looking in the wrong place. Listen, dead religion has to be empty. But when we lift up Jesus and we lift up the Word of God and we have the filling of the Holy Spirit and we have God moving in our midst, there's something that the religion cannot provide. You know, the culture has run empty. And I think that's the thing. You know, of course, there's lots of stuff we can go, you know, just, just, uh, just go on TikTok for five minutes. 
Don't. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I, I keep threatening to get on there, but I know my kids will be embarrassed because they'll, you know, they'll make me do a dance video or something. Um, but, but I'm just telling you, you look at the culture many times, of course, anything that we take God out of, even if it's on some level good, the moment you take God out of it, it ultimately runs empty, no matter what it is. And so, you know, any area of culture, any area of life, any area of business, family, government, it does, whenever you take God out of the equation, there's, there's an emptiness that takes place in the lives of people because people are, are influenced and affected by sin. And, and so when we take God out of the equation, culture, life, the world runs empty. So I, I want you to, you know, but let's, let's look at this because I think sometimes we, we, you know, Jesus encouraged people that were about to follow him. He said, count the cost. And when he said count the cost, he was saying evaluate if you have, you know, if you're, prepared, like if you're about to start a building project, you don't start until you know you have the resources, the, 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 everything you need to make it happen. And so he says evaluate that. Now, now, I want you to understand this because I think a lot of people counted, didn't count the cost and they thought I had enough faith to make it through this season, but they didn't. I had enough peace. I had enough, you know, confidence in my closest relationships. I've seen more. I, I, I've done probably more marriage counseling in the last two years than I have in, you know, 17, 18 years of, of, of ministry. You know, there's just a lot of things that problems aren't just being created. They're being revealed in the last two years. So, but the good part of this is when life runs on empty when things are empty, when I'm empty, when you're empty, we can go to Jesus. Mary goes to Jesus and says, hey, uh, Jesus, they've run out of wine. And Jesus' response is, is of course, classic. He says, uh, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Of course, he said it probably better than I read it. Some of you are laughing. Okay. Uh, my hour has not yet come. He says, my, my time to be revealed publicly as a Messiah, perform miracles, all that. He says, the time hasn't come. And, and, and Mary does something that I think is, is also important. She turns to verse 5. She says to the servants that are there, whatever he says to do, do it. Whatever Jesus says. So she doesn't argue with him. She doesn't try to come up with, you know, a theological tart. She doesn't try to figure it all out. You know, okay, well, Jesus said it's not time, so I guess, you know, whatever it is. She actually just turns to the servants and says, I, I, I've got hope. <laughs> I've got faith. I, I know who Jesus is. Whatever he tells you to do, get ready. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And I just want to encourage you, no matter what, you know, this is, I don't think it can get any simpler than this, but in our walk with God, whatever he says to do, to quote Nike, just do it. And, and this is where a lot of people, I think, have struggled because we try to understand it he says, just do what he says. Okay, you didn't quite catch me this morning. I know it's cold out. Coffee hasn't kicked in yet. Uh, whatever he says, we want to experience more of God's working in our life. We want to see miracles take place. We want to see this change in our family, that change in our, our, our business, our calling, our ministry, our city, our, our nation. Whatever he says to do, do it. Well, that's too simple. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think religion likes to complicate what Jesus made very simple. Trust him, do what he says. Okay. You know, 
if I wrote a book trying to help people understand, you know, claiming that I understood all the mysteries of the end times, I could sell a thousand, probably a million copies. You know, if I wrote a book that said, whatever he says, do it. Okay, you get the point. We've just lived our lives like this. I mean, that's how River City Church started. We're praying, talking to God. God says, this is what I want you to do. No matter what season of life, no matter what concerns our family, no matter what we have on our heart, no matter where we feel empty, it's that simple. Whatever he says, do it. I, I actually was talking to my wife about just kind of recalling something from years ago, and I, I forgot this. My first job I ever had, I had, a, I had this job for three years, worked hard, they promoted me, was like second person in charge. And, uh, and, and while I'm there, I'm going to college too, and, and halfway through college, I was a good sun devil, um, Arizona State, halfway through college, get saved, get God's doing all kinds of things in my life, you know, and, uh, and, and so the people that I worked with were also people that I party with and, you know, knew outside of before Jesus, and then they knew me after Jesus, and, you know, I did a couple things that were a little weird, like I showed up with like the biggest wooden cross that the Christian bookstore had to sell. You know, I threw in my worship cassette tape, and I'm just worshiping Jesus. The presence of God's filling my little Volvo, and, you know, they, they, they're wondering what the heck is going on, you know. Uh, so, but, but <laughs> I, it was actually was funny because I, during that season, God asked me to do something very difficult, but it was a God thing because I'm praying about a certain situation in my life, and, and it affected a lot of things, but it affected relationships I had. And so, but following Jesus, it's always better to whatever he says, just do it. I've never regretted saying yes to Jesus one time. And so, so but it, in the short term, was going to cost some misunderstanding, was going to, you know, people weren't going to get it. It's hard for people to understand when you say, well, God told me to do this. <laughs> you know, they think you're nuts. And so when, uh, when, when word spread that, you know, God was talking to me and uh, God told me to do something that they didn't like, um, they put me on call and then they never called me. I just thought that was funny. I'm like, I didn't realize that had something to do with that job. Anyway, uh, but when life leaves you empty, turn to Jesus. You know, God gave me a much better job, and thank you, Jesus. Okay. But, but here's what I want you to catch. The Bible says this, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. It's not just pastors, not just leaders, not just, you know, the super spiritual. If you're a sheep, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, God wants to lead you by his, by his word, and he wants to lead you by the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you peace. He wants to direct you. If you don't have peace about something, that's God. It's red light. You know, that's, that's the voice of God saying, don't go that direction. You got that green light, and you don't want to go? Okay. Just let that sit. Okay. So, this is important. Um, Isaiah 6, 8 is a prophetic vision. Isaiah the prophet, 500 years before Jesus. He, he gets this vision of the king on the throne. He sees God, Isaiah 6, 8. He sees God on the throne, and it's during a season of national kind of grieving and disappointment. The king has, uh, was Uzziah. Uzziah didn't end well, started out righteous king, ended poorly because of his own pride. Uh, and when he died, it says in the very first verse, Isaiah says, in the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And so there's, there's some things that in the season we're in, we get discouraged, disappointed, 
discontent, distracted, we're, we're upset because this isn't working, that's not working, you know, how come this happened this way, God, why is this? And, and so in the year that Uzziah dies, he saw the Lord. I think when we're discouraged, we need to see Jesus. I think when we're hopeless, we need to turn to Jesus. I think when we're, when we're going through hell, we need to turn to Jesus. When we're, when we're fighting for our family, we need to turn to Jesus because what we need to see more than anything else is not our feelings and our problems. We need to see Jesus. And he actually sees the Lord on the throne. And I think that was important. Of course, he has a prophetic vision. He sees the king and he sees angels around the throne. And then he hears the chorus of heaven singing this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. It's on repeat in heaven. Because every time they see the majesty of God, their worship isn't about the glory of the angels. It's about the glory of the king on the throne. And, and as they're worshiping, they also add this line that I have always loved. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. Well, I think Isaiah needed to have a perspective shift because all he knew was Uzziah the king on earth his failure. All he knew was the disappointment in his country that was beginning to increasingly turn away from God. And he was getting discouraged, and he was probably getting a little concerned and a little worried, and he has to have a vision from heaven because heaven wasn't worried. Can I just tell you, church, heaven's still not worried. <laughs> the angels have not stopped that song. They're still around the throne singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. I remember years ago, I'm listening to the radio, and uh, I, I, what I was listening to was just making more me more angry. <laughs> Anybody ever listen to something and you get more frustrated, more angry? None of you. Okay, just me. Um, and so I'm, I'm filling up, you know, and I'm listening to all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, why is this happening? Why is that, you know, I'm getting frustrated. And then I don't know if I turned the channel or God changed it for me, but somehow I ended up on, on Chris Tomlin's song on a different channel, radio station, that says, the whole earth, holy, holy is the Lord, the whole earth is full of, full of his glory. And so singing course from that verse, uh, and God reminded me, what am I looking at? What, what am I preoccupied with? Because you know why the angels can sing that? It's not because there's not problems in the world, but because they're they're, the view of the problem on the world is eclipsed by a view of the king on the throne. And when you can see your life, your family, the world around you through the, through the lens of God's glory, and God who's on the throne and God who is good and God who is faithful and God who's going to come through, changes your perspective. I, I told you verse 8. Here's what, what happens after Isaiah is changed by that encounter, because he is. God says, who, who will go for us? Who will we send? And, and, and Isaiah is the only person around besides the angels. He's, he's looking around. Well, I guess it's just me. Uh, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Whatever he says, do it. If you're struggling in an area of your life, go to Jesus. As we take this 21 days of prayer, you know, fasting is not about what you give up. It's about what you're filling with. We, we diet and give up things. We fast and we fill with something. We can give up. We give up stuff as a part of fasting, but it's about what we fill with instead. Okay. All right, so, so let's go back to it. Verse, uh, verse 6, John chapter 2, verse 6. Uh, now there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of the purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. So these are big, huge water pots. Um, Jesus tells the servants that are there, fill the water pots with water. 
So that's what he tells them. That's his instruction. Go and fill the water pots with water, which doesn't sound too complicated. Problem is, what did they need? Not water. Okay. Sometimes when what he says to do doesn't seem like it's related to the need. Well, God, I don't know how me working on this, surrendering this, uh, you know, God, you working on my attitude, my words, anybody God helping them with that besides me? Okay. And you're spending time with Jesus, and he starts doing heart surgery, and he starts, you know, uh, while, while that's going on, you go, what does that have to do with this changing? What What does you working in this area have to do with my marriage being changed? What does it have to do with you 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 changing my calling or impacting the world in, through my life? Or what does it have to do with uh, my business being uh, successful or growing or, you know, making it through the economy? And what, what, what does that have to do with that? Well, whatever he says to do, go fill those water pots. And don't just fill them a little ways, fill them all the way. Can I just tell you, they didn't have a water hose so it was going to take a considerable effort, a considerable inconvenience, and a lot of time for them to fill these vessels. And here's what he tells them. Fill the water pots, and they filled them all the way up to the top. And he says, draw some out now. Don't wait. Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. Verse 2, or I'm sorry, point 2. You must fill and draw. You must fill and you must draw. I think there's a lot of times in life we're waiting for God to do something, and what's really going on is, is God is waiting for us to fill. He's already made it available. He's already provided the water that we need. He's given us his word. He's given us his presence. He's given us people around us, and we've got to draw. Sometimes the reason I'm empty is I'm not drawing. I'm not filling. I'm not filling my life first. See, I can't give away what I don't have. I can't give to my spouse. I can't give to my kids. I can't give to the church. I can't give to anything what I don't first have in my life. So I, I, the reason for there being an emptiness and drawing out is first because there hasn't been a filling in. Jesus says to the servants, he says, you know, these guys work for the master of the feast, by the way. And I don't know if the master of the feast was like some wedding coordinators I've worked with, but probably not somebody you want to mess with. And, uh, and, and so, so these guys are probably thinking about their jobs. Um, you want me to take six water pots, and they, these are heavy. They're going to have to drag them over. The, their boss is probably wondering, what in the world are you doing? And then they have to draw out water in place of wine. <laughs> See, we know the story of Jesus turning the water into wine, but we don't know when and how it happened because we don't know the story. It didn't happen like Jesus take the water pot, wave his hand over it, and go, ta-da. <laughs> Look at it now, guys. It's wine. No, no. It was six water pots that they had to fill. There's some things that we have to fill. And, and I don't know if this is the right way to say this, that God can't do it for us, because, of course, we know God can do anything, but God has made it so that, that there's areas of our life that we, he's made available what we need. We have to draw from it, though. Why is that? Well, God's not just a provider. He's not just a healer, or, you know, what, all the things that he is. He's also a father. And, and one of my jobs as a dad, as a father, 
with my three kids is as they grow and mature, there's areas that I do things for them, and then I do things with them, and then I step back and invite them to do it. Okay. And there's areas in my life that I go, God, why is this empty? He's like, I've provided what you need. Start drawing. <laughs> Start filling your life. Okay. So, so they have to fill the water pots. I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verse 18 says, you know, Paul's praying for the church. He says, I pray that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ that passes all knowledge, that you may be filled. Everybody say that word, filled. God wants to fill you that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you know how you know a vessel's full? It actually runs over. It overflows. Some of you have heard sermons before. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm always disappointed when I buy a bag of chips and it's not full. It's like half of it's air. What did, this is not full. <laughs> and, and, and that's not the way Jesus works. He doesn't want to fill you halfway. He doesn't want to fill your life partially. He wants to fill you, look at what this says, with all the fullness of God. That's pretty amazing that the church, God's people, you, God wants to fill you with all of his fullness. The God that, that the universe itself cannot contain. That the heavens and all the earth cannot contain. God wants to fill your life with all his fullness. That's what he's made available to us. And what happens when he fills us is we start overflowing. We start overflowing the world around us. Acts 4.31, when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. What does that mean? They started overflowing because they got filled, and they couldn't keep it inside the church any longer. They couldn't hold it back any longer. It started changing them, but here's the key. When you fill, you've got to draw. The miracle first required that they filled what was empty. But then they had to draw what was inside. See, sometimes we're filling. We're filling where we should. We fill on God's word. We fill our lives with the word. And it looks like water. You know, my kids, you know, when we're getting ready for, for dinner, I don't know what it is. I'm the same way. Like, I, we need water. Water is, you know, what do they say? Your body is 70% water. That might... Be, I might be off by a percent or two. Uh, you need water. You know, there's just some things I don't like to eat with water. I know, super spiritual. Like, there just isn't. And so, you know, my kids are like, I'd rather have a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> you know, there's some things that it just looks like water. You're reading the Word, and, it, and you don't understand it all. You don't get it. You don't know how yet it's going to change your life. It just looks like water. You're in the Word every day, and it's water. You're filling your life, and it just looks like water. You're praying, spending time with Jesus, and God's pouring in water, filling you. But see, the water comes first, and in the drawing, it turns into wine. <laughs> see, I think sometimes the reason why religious people don't experience change in their life and the world around them, they don't find joy in the relationship with God, is they're full of water, but they're not drawing. God didn't give you the word to just memorize the Bible. He gave you the word to change your life, change your family, change 
the relationships around you, to change the world around you. So start drawing what God's poured in. When you draw what God pours in, not only do you value it more, but it's in the process of drawing out what God has deposited in your life that there's actually a miracle. <laughs> that, that, that's where the supernatural happens. That's where we go beyond what we can do into what God steps in and does. When we start drawing, when we participate with Jesus and we start drawing out of our life, it's easy to stay comfortable and just have water. Jesus wants us to draw, just like he told the servants. He said, draw some out. Oh, you want us to draw out from these six water pots that we have to carry all the way over to our boss and draw it out and maybe get fired because he's going to look at us and say, what the heck are you doing? Why are you bringing me water pots? We don't need water right now. The wedding feast didn't run out of water, ran out of wine. But in the drawing, it was changed. When you start, when you start using what God has placed in your life, it goes from being about me only to being about how God can work through my life. It's not just about me receiving from God, although I need it, but it's about the transformation that happens in me. Do you know, I found the Christian life is a lot more enjoyable and a lot more effective and life-giving when I start giving out what God has given me. Okay. Sometimes we're filling, Jason, if you and the team want to get ready, sometimes we're filling on the wrong thing, and that's why we don't have water. Let's get God's word in us. And I want to encourage you. Maybe you started reading the Bible. You know, if you're going to take the next 21 days and start reading the word, don't start in Job or Leviticus. I'm just going to give you some practical pastoral advice. You know, <laughs> you know, everybody who started their Bible, you know, one-year Bible reading plan got discouraged halfway through Genesis. I, I want to encourage you. <laughs> you know, start in Genesis, start in the New Testament, the Gospels, whatever you want to start, however God leads you. But get, get the word in, and it may just look like water right now, but I'm telling you, it's going to, as you're drawing, drawing looks like me sharing with others. It also looks like me applying it to my life. Because I just have a vessel of water, and then somewhere down the road, the Holy Spirit highlights one of those things that I read. It's like, oh, I need that. And it becomes wine. It becomes something that changes my life. It becomes something that impacts my family. Verse 9. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that it was made wine, didn't know where it came from, but the servants knew, who drew the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, because it was the bridegroom's responsibility to provide wine for the wedding feast. In fact, to run out in their culture would have been a social, cultural embarrassment and a dishonor. So he calls the bridegroom over, and he says to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have, have well drunk the inferior, uh, you've kept the good wine until now. You've saved the best for last, he's saying. And then verse 11, it says, these beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Third and final point is this, God has saved the best for last. God has saved the best for last. I know people are discouraged because they think their best days are behind them. Their best opportunities are behind them, their whatever. I want to tell you, with God, that's not the case. With God, that's not the case. Start, start dreaming again with God. Start, start asking, God, what are, what are you going to do? 
what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do in my family? As we start this year and set aside time to be with Jesus, I want us to encourage you to just simply ask God, what do you want to do in my family? Start dream with God. You want to set a five-year plan? That's fine. But, but do it with God. And ask him, God, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do with my family? What do you want to do in my marriage? What do you want to do in my business? I love, we've got business people in this church who are reaching more people than we are. Because mm-hmm. they're taking Jesus and in a way that's, they're not beating people up with Bibles. <laughs> you know, they're not wallpapering their businesses with Bible tracts. It's all fine. But they're bringing Jesus. They're drawing. They're getting filled with water. And they're taking it out to people and drawing it out. They're encouraging the broken. They're, they're helping. They're praying for people. They're meeting needs. They're... God saved the best for last. Can I tell you, God saved the best for the last church. He really has. I don't have time to get into all that. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Prophet Haggai said the glory of the latter house would be greater than the former. You can see in Ecclesiastes, it says the end of a thing is greater than the beginning of a thing. Can I tell you, God's not out of options. He's not out of purpose. Jesus is coming again, and he's not coming just to rescue us. He's coming for a victorious bride who's discovered what she was born for. God has so much for everyone in here. I want to pray for you before we go. Those six water pots were more than enough to not only provide for the entire wedding feast, but there was plenty left over. And, and, and it became what started as a shame to the bridegroom turned into a blessing. I, I want you to catch this because God wants to turn in the places where you've had brokenness, the places where you've had hurt, places where you've experienced shame, maybe even last year, maybe even at the start of this year, you know, when you've got Jesus, turn to him when life is left you empty. Because he's not done. He really is not. Should bear your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray for you. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co.